Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of the program, I, I gotta I, I always hate to do this, and I didn't do it at the start of the show with all the other breaking news. Um, but I I want to revisit. Uh, what I started the show with yesterday because a buddy of mine was listening. He says, oh, you, you, you got to adjust your numbers and percentages. And, and so I want to get it right for everybody. It's important for accuracy's sake. A lot of people are confused by what's going on in the White House that the Biden team seems to just be off their rocker. And I actually don't think that's the case. I think as much as there's dysfunction in the White House and Biden seems out to lunch weekend at Bernie's-esque, the White House political team is a sharp political team. I mean, they won a Democratic primary. They won a presidential election. Uh, They kind of have a sense of what they have to do, even in headwinds. Just bear bear with me here. Just just listen to me. Hear me out on this. Now that I got the actual numbers. So there are 332 million Americans 75% are eligible to vote. 75% of the 332 million Americans are eligible to vote. However, of the 332 million Americans, only 50% are registered to vote. So half of the country is registered to vote. Now, of the half who are registered to vote, I mean, they don't all show up. So out of 332 total million Americans... Only 40% of them will show up and vote. A presidential year, you may get 47%. In a midterm election, you may get 33%. The average is about 40%. It goes up and down. Midterms are now more and more like presidential elections. There is a higher turnout, but oftentimes uh, they're lower. So of the 40% of Americans who vote, you need 21% of them to win an election. That's a majority. But there's a problem, and it's also a solution for how you campaign in America. Of the 40% of Americans who vote, 13% are going to vote Democrat in every case. 12% are going to vote Republican in every case. It varies from state to state, but generally, uh, Republicans and Democrats tend to be at parity now. The number used to be lower. It used to be about 9% and 8%. Now it's about 13% and 12%. But that means uh, there are 15% of Americans who are up for grabs in an election. 4% of Americans are single-issue voters. They are single-issue voters on guns or abortion, on the environment, uh, or a laundry list of other issues where they are single-issue voters. Immigration is another one. Crime is one. Housing is one. There are activists out there, and that's the only issue they care about. And, you know, don't say, don't hear me say, well, there, there are single-issue voters for abortion. Yes, there are single-issue voters for abortion. About two-thirds of them uh, vote pro-life, and a third of them br- vote pro-abortion. They're actually among the single-issue voters in this country who are on abortion. The majority of them tend to be pro-life, not pro-abortion. That may change after Dobbs and the end of Roe v. Wade, but the data actually suggests that's not the case. The data actually suggests uh, that the single-issue abortion voters still predominantly are pro-life. Same on guns, by the way. 
The guns, you can be for gun control or for gun rights, and the data overwhelmingly has suggested for the longest time it is gun rights activists who are more passionately single issue than gun control activists. Gun control activists tend to kind of line up uh, symptomatically with the Democratic Party as a whole. There are environmental activists. They overwhelmingly lean to the Democratic Party, but they are environmental activists. They're not Democrats, even though they tend to vote Democrat. If a Democrat does not uh, d- does not offer up a platform that they like, they aren't going to go vote Democrat. So you got 15% of Americans who are up for grabs and 4% of them are single issue voters. That leaves 11% of Americans who can really be persuaded one way or the other to vote. And of them, you need 5.51%, six to be on the safe side. 6% of Americans will shape the electoral landscape of the United States. They will decide who becomes president uh, and and who, who otherwise wins. That you're talking roughly 5.5 to 6 million people will be the persuading decisive factor in who wins a presidential election. In a swing state, who wins the governor's race will be 5.51% of the state population. Now, it makes it easier to campaign then, doesn't it? It makes it easier to campaign because you, you can ignore your base. You can, by and large, ignore the single issue voters. You pat them on the head and say, I'm with you on this issue, come vote. And then you focus on uh, that that five to six percent of the population that truly is up for grabs. You got to find out what issues motivate them. Where is their passion? How are they affected? Are they leaning my way or the other guy's way? Can I persuade them to lean back my way? Can I lock them in? There's a method to the madness in politics and in how you do this. So, for example, in a primary election, what you do is you go to the board of elections and you get the list of all the voters. And every board of elections in this country runs a program that can determine whether someone is a Republican or a Democrat. Now, you got to follow me here. This confuses people sometimes. There is no way ever in any way, shape, or form that you can find out who someone voted for. I cannot call any board of elections in this country and say, give me the list of all the Biden voters. Give me the list of all the Trump voters. That data does not exist. Who you vote for is a private matter. What I can do, though, is go to a board of elections and say, give me the list of all the people who vote in Republican primaries. And give me all the people who vote in Democratic primaries. The odds are, if you vote all the time in a Democratic primary, when you get to the general election, you're going to vote for the Democrat. And if you vote all the time in a Republican primary, you're probably going to vote for the Republican candidate. So when you're in a primary situation, you get all the hard Republicans together. You get all the hard Democrats together if you're a Democrat. And you go knock on their doors because you know, given that person's habits, they're going to go vote in your primary, depending on your party. And so you you ignore every single other person. And you go get those people and you knock on their doors and say, hi, I'm Joe Blow. I would like your vote. I'm in your party. Please vote for me. What you do if you're really smart is you have someone call them first as a pollster and say, please tell me the issue you care about. 
And then you knock on their door and you say, hey, I'm Joe Blow. I'm running for for um, whatever the race is. And, and, you know, I care passionately about guns. And just coincidentally, that happened to be the issue they told the pollster they cared about. And, oh, my gosh, here comes a politician who cares about this issue. I care passionately about paving the potholes in your neighborhood and trash collection. Oh, my gosh, this is what I told the pollsters last week. And this politician shows up. I'm voting for this guy. There's a way you do this. Now, in the general election, you ignore the hard Democrats and you ignore the hard Republicans and you go to the people who only voted in general election and you do deep dives. You, you um, You buy data. You buy the data from magazine subscribers. You buy the data from website subscribers. You buy the data from Facebook. You see, oh, this guy follows Ben Shapiro, Eric Erickson, uh, subscribes to Field and Stream, and is an NRA member, only votes in the general election, but that person is what you call a conservative. I'm going to go knock on their door if I'm a Republican. Or, oh, this person gives to Planned Parenthood. This person subscribes to MSNBC's fan page on on Facebook. If I'm a Democrat, I'm going to knock on that person's door and I'm going to try to turn them out. And then you find the people who they're, they're completely apolitical. They go vote. They do their civic duty, but they go vote. So you send the pollsters, what's your big issue? And, and you vet them out. Or you just show up at their door and you talk to them. Hey, I'm I'm Merrick Erickson. I'm a Republican. I'm running for office. I'd like your vote. I'd like to talk to you about what I care about in this community. And you try to persuade them. And you try to get 6% of the American public. Each precinct, the number varies. You figure out who those people are and you go get them. And that's how you win an election. That's how you win an election. What if you know you're going to lose? What if you know you're going to lose? Well, in the general election, what you do is you try to mitigate the damage. You try to maximize your vote. So you're going to play to your hardcore base. You're going to play to the single-issue voters whose issues will lead them in your direction. So if you're a Democrat and you know there's a big Republican wave brewing in November, all the data suggests it. Here's the thing. Uh, Polling in this country for the past decade has been off and it has leaned to the Democrats. And the polling averages, this is why I rely on the polling averages, they tend to be a better reflection of what's going on. But typically, polling has a bias towards the Democrats. And, and this hasn't changed anytime soon. Uh, and so the Republicans add a couple more points to them. Clearly, Democrats are way more vote motivated to talk to pollsters than Republicans. So if it's an R plus two on the generic ballot right now, which it is, and the average is probably really an R plus three or four. Democrats are way more eager to talk, and the Democrats know this. And they want to motivate those people to vote, not because they want to win in November, but because they want to minimize Republican gains. If you're going to do that, if you know doom is coming for you, if you know that red wave on the horizon grows ever closer, what do you do? You talk about climate change. You talk about abortion. You talk about gun control. You talk about sticking it to the American corporation. You talk about transgender rights. You talk about all the culturally progressive topics. Because the base of the Democratic Party now is not black. It's not Hispanic. 
It's white people. And it tends to be wealthy white people who are not impacted by a recession. They are not impacted by inflation. They are not impacted by high gas prices. They are impacted by abortion and gun control and climate change. It's the issues that motivate them. It's the ones they care about. They don't have to care about pocketbook concerns because they're so wealthy, it doesn't matter to them. They care about all these other left-wing concerns. And that explains everything the White House is doing right now. You and I look at it, then we see it as this is the most tone-deaf thing ever. My gosh, these people are out to lunch. Why aren't they focused on the economy? The answer is because they've given up on that. They know they're going to lose. They know there's nothing they can do. And what they're doing now is a different strategy. It's not a strategy to win in November. It's a strategy to mitigate the losses in November. It's a strategy to drive up the white progressive base of the Democratic Party so that Republicans will win 20 or 30 seats in the House, but not 40. Republicans will win one or two seat majority in the Senate, but not a five seat majority in the Senate. Republicans will win one or two governor's mansions, but not six governor's mansions. Republicans will flip one or two state legislatures, but not seven of them. They're mitigating the damage. That explains what's going on in the White House. That's why all of the polling comes out and says the number one issue in America is the economy, inflation, gas prices, grocery prices, jobs. And Biden is like, there's a climate emergency. I'm going to declare a climate emergency. It's because he can't persuade anyone that he's good for the economy, so he might as well tell Democratic voters, I'm with you, please come vote in November and minimize the wave. And again, it's minimizing it, not reversing it not countering it, minimizing it. Everything Joe Biden's White House is doing right now and everything the Democrats in general are doing, amping up concern about abortion and gay marriage and contraception and all that, these are all plays to drive up their base in November not to win, but to just make sure the Republicans don't win as big as they otherwise would. Everything the Democrats are doing right now is a tacit acknowledgement the game is over, the Republicans are winning, and all they're doing is trying to mitigate the damage. And part of their mitigating the damage is motivating Democrat on Democratic issues and trying to convince Republicans, ah, maybe you shouldn't show up. If all the Republicans show up in November, doom is afoot for the Democrats. Folks, the signature hymn sheets from Bowling Branch are a bestseller for a reason. They use the highest quality threads on earth for a superior softness, a better night's sleep, the sheets are made with threads so luxurious, three U.S. presidents love them. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. Now, here's the thing. I can tell you this from personal experience. Every time you wash the sheets, they get softer. You know, people worry about thread counts for sheets. You need to worry about the quality of the threads. Bolin Branch uses fantastic ones. You can just feel them, and they get softer and softer over time. They're very, very breathable for the summer, but they also have a good weight for the winter. They help you sleep well at night. They're not so light that you feel like nothing's on you. They they're, just, they're the perfect weight. They're the perfect sheet from Bolin Branch. You'll immediately feel the difference with their iconic signature sheets. Right now, get 20% off site-wide during the annual summer event happening now only at BolinBranch.com. It's their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com for 20% off site-wide. Phenomenal deal with phenomenal product. I'm telling you, we use them in our house. Long before I was a podcast reader, we use Bowling Branch. You should too. BowlingBranch.com for 20% off site-wide. My gosh, uh, unemployment rate down in Georgia is now 2.9%. Um, all right, I, I'm sorry. I, I got to, is, is this real? 
I'm I'm trying to to see is is this actually real? Because I'm I, I I whether whether it's real or not. Um um I'm hang on, I just I gotta I gotta check I, I gotta I gotta check this can't be real. I don't think this is real. Maybe maybe oh wait no wait is this is I it appears we have a statement from President Trump about Joe Biden having co- maybe may it can't be this uh, well I don't know with Trump it could be I'm just going to read this to you just going to read it to you this appears to be real statement by Donald J Trump 45th president of the United States of America <clears throat> Joe Biden who many have said is our worst president has come down with the case of the China virus despite being vaccinated. I hope Sleepy Joe is able to bounce back quickly, much as I was. Doctors described my fight against the China virus as Herculean, and not meaning the woke Disney Hercules, but rather the Kevin Sorbo one, the Lou Ferrigno one as well. Joe, I wish you a speedy recovery, even though you are taking America in the wrong direction. No one wants Kamala. Um, I, I, I think it's real. It was by Donald Trump. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling. Please. This is one of those things where you, you just don't want it to be. I mean, you, you just, you, 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 you really please. You, you just, you, well, it appears that it may not be real. That's okay. Cause you know, this is what he wanted to write. Um, you know this is what he wanted to write. If, if even if he didn't issue one, Joe Biden, who many have said is our worst president, has come down with the case of the China virus despite being vaccinated. I hope Sleepy Joe is able to bounce back quickly, much as I was. Doctors described his fight against the China virus as Herculean, and not meaning the woke Disney Hercules, but rather the Kevin Sorbo one, the Lou Ferrigno one as well. Joe, I wish you a sleepy, a speedy recovery, even though you were taking America in the wrong direction. No one wants Kamala. I, I mean, if that's not, I mean, you can't really, bear, it just sounds real to me. Sounds real to me. I'm going to go with, with, with a truthy, maybe not true, but truthy. <laughs> wow. Wow. By the way, just a reminder, um, if you want to go to the Truth and Courage Pack um, Together for Truth Conference in August with Ted Cruz in Atlanta, if you text the word data to 33777, I will send you back the link. I know my buddy Rich McCormick, who is uh, inbound to Congress, is going to be there with him. Uh, but also, I will send you back a link to my daily email. If you click it, that'll be the first link you can subscribe to the daily show notes uh, and all the other stuff that I'm sending out. Um, if you're a paid subscriber, you get all sorts of exclusive stuff. Now, the reason I say it that way is because we're going to do a conference again next year, we've decided. Uh, we're going to invite uh, Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Mike Pompeo, uh, Brian Kemp. Uh, or we'll get Rich McCormick there, my buddy Chip Roy, see if Dan Crenshaw wants Mike Pence. Um, we're going we're gonna to try to get them all there. 
Uh, it'll be next year. We're setting the date. It'll be probably uh, late August or so in Atlanta. Uh, and if you're a paid subscriber, you'll get a great, great discount. Uh, if you're a paid subscriber to the show notes email, text DATA to 33777. When we come back, I'll take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this here program. I want to go to phones right now. Let's begin with Jack. Welcome to the show, Jack. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. Love hearing you, and also I'm a subscriber, and while waiting, I have been looking at your latest uh, email. Thank you. uh, Really interesting things. Uh, Yes, uh, my wife and I just got over COVID. Uh, We both had two shots, uh, you know, the regular two shots and the booster. But, um, yeah, I'm 75, she's 72. And uh, we called the doctor when we took the the home test and saw that we were positive and took the Paxlovid. And after three days, I was feeling normal. And and, um, I've been feeling, you know, normal for about four days now. So Nice. urge anybody that uh, is, starts having the symptoms like uh, what I had uh, to uh, to call and the doctor and get started on that if they can. Well, and, and you know, it, it's interesting you say that because for a time in, in the last number of months, the initial treatment was the, the infusions. And now suddenly it, it's uh, Paxlovid is, seems to be the default and it seems to be working remarkably well and and the backup is now the infusion if if the Paxlovid doesn't work they they really people kind of I don't know we're we're used to doctors having all the answers but this virus was was so new came out the data was so muddy China did so much lying um, and now we seem to have a pattern and practice that tends to work for people regardless of age except for those who are in serious health issues Uh, like I've got a buddy of mine who has, uh, he's on his third round of COVID and it didn't affect him at all the first two times. And now he can't get out of bed. He's so sick, uh, but he's going to be, he's going to be fine. I mean, there's no doubt he's going to be fine, but yes. I don't understand the freak out at this point. Well, my wife has advanced heart failure oh, uh, and she, the day she got out of the hospital is when we took our test. She was in for a three days for a procedure that's supposed to help her heart problem and so she's was in the hospital she's 72 and she has advanced heart failure uh, she's taking longer to get over it uh than me and, and she, yesterday was a good day today she's not feeling well so and that's one of the side effects uh and i don't know whether it carries over three days after you're through with the pills or what but uh uh you know we're just really thankful that we were able to get started quickly yeah, look, I, I, I'm glad you're on the mend, and and thank you for calling in and sharing that as well. It's two years ago the dynamic was so completely different, and now it just seems like the media can't update uh, what they're telling people when it's so manageable. I mean, even in New York City, Jack, the the wave of the virus is going through there right now is pretty significant. But when you actually look at the vaccinated people who are uh, being hospitalized, it's just this little statistically meaningless blip. Um, so I just, I, I'm, I'm of course an advocate of, of the vaccine, given my wife's lung cancer situation we all have in our house. Um, I, 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 I'm 
don't care whether people get it or not. We did for those reasons. Right. But even people who aren't vaccinated, uh, you, you take the antiviral drugs and, and people are, they're okay. So listen, thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate it. And there is the fatalistic attitude that's in the media diverges greatly from the reality of the situation out there. And I don't think people should be so freaked out at this moment, uh, given the data. And I think the media needs to update the way it talks about the virus as well. Alan, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Thanks. uh, Thanks for having me on. And although I don't always agree with you, I always respect that you, um, obviously uh, do your homework and and try to put across as best you can thank you uh, what you've come to conclude you know um this is a bit of an unfair hypothetical but given the past uh, year and a half plus the democrats and biden have been in control what do you think they would if they could know what they know now what would they do differently to not ruin it for them come the next election because everything they've been doing virtually is self-destructive to the parts of the party you know hispanics yeah african-americans what would they do different or would they modify anything are they just so idealistic that they're driving over the cliff and there's not enough parachutes for the decisions they're making oh you know i've thought about that a lot um, I, I really have. Um, I've I've thought about it a ton, and I actually think that uh, the story here is pretty much Aesop's fable of the scorpion and the frog. You know, the scorpion has to cross the river and can't swim, so the frog says it'll carry it across, and the frog hesitates because the scorpion might sting, and the scorpion says, I promise, I won't sting, I would drown. So the frog thinks it's sensible and lets the scorpion hop his back and halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog and the dying frog asks the scorpion, why on earth would you do that? We're both going to drown. And the scorpion says, I'm sorry, couldn't resist the urge. It's my nature. And they die. Uh, I, I, I think the, the Democrats can't change their ways on this stuff. They have become so captured uh, by a secular progressive elite uh, who care desperately about transgenderism and abortion and climate change uh, and truly believed that the government could spend its money out of way out of problems. I, I don't think so. Remember Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the whole squad in the House, they've embraced the concept of modern monetary theory. And modern monetary theory uh, says that really inflation is not a problem. You, The government can print as much money as it needs and give people as much money as possible. And if inflation does come, raise corporate taxes and taxes on the wealthy and inflation will then go away. Well, it forgets that we live in a system where it's not easy to raise taxes on anybody. Uh, there is a filibuster in place. And also uh, the countries that have raised taxes on the wealthy and corporations to fight inflation, it's not going away. Uh, the Democrats, they can't change their nature. The nature of the Democratic Party has always been spend a lot of money. The Republican nature has always been spend a lot of money, blame the Democrats. The Democratic nature has always been spend a lot of money and own it. So they spent a lot of money and they owned it. And the economy went south. We got all the inflation people like Larry Summers warned about. The Democrats tried to say it was everybody else's fault, including Putin's. And they can't find their way out of this mess. On top of that, 
because of the changes of the Democratic Party and it's both its donor base and its base of voters, they are far more interested in rich white elite people problems than in uh, domestic American problems, whether it's uh, transgender athletes in sports or abortion or climate change. I mean, listen to Nancy Pelosi talk about what to her is a kitchen table issue. While our internal maneuvering is critical and we work at it constantly, the outside mobilization will make the difference because public sentiment is everything, as Lincoln said. But for public sentiment to prevail, people have to know. And we want to be sure that people know what this means in the lives of America's families, or not even families, just in terms of American women and their decisions. Indeed, we must ensure that American people remember in November the truth. While the Republicans seek to punish and control our most personal decisions, what could be more personal than that? And this is a kitchen table issue. This has an impact on the finances of a family in addition to the health of a family, in addition to the freedom of families. Contraception. She's talking about contraception there, if that wasn't clear in her rambling. Uh, Birth control is a kitchen table issue. The Democrats are trying to put forward a law that would protect contraception, but if you actually read the law, you know what it considers contraception? Abortifacient drugs. Uh, So most people believe contraception is either um, condoms or birth control pills or what have you that can keep a woman from getting pregnant. The Democrats have defined contraception as things that can terminate a pregnancy after getting pregnant as well. So abortifacient drugs are in there, which is why some Republicans who would otherwise be inclined to support it won't support it. But contraception, she's viewing that as a kitchen table issue, making this abortion play. And then there's Jim Messina, who was uh, Barack Obama's campaign manager. Listen to him. Well, look, it's a very important issue. And if you look at polling, it can be a little misleading. You look at it and say, oh, well, climate change is one of the top issues. But then you look at the actual numbers and climate change is now the number one issue for voters under 30 years old. It's also one of the most important issues for Democrats overall. And part of what we don't know in the midterm elections is who's going to come out in these elections. All these models you see are guessing about these numbers and whether young voters are going to come out. And young voters are just sick and tired to Michael's of the government doing nothing. And so Biden is leading on his own. He's saying, look, I'm not going to wait for Congress. I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to do everything I can. But let's be honest, to Michael's point, we have to pass a bill here. And young voters who are going to be one of the keys to this midterm election are saying that climate change is now their most important issue. Oh, I need to say something, and it's going to sound insulting, and I don't mean it to be. In 2010, in 2012, in 2014, in 2016, 2018, in 2020, Jim Messina says, young voters, young voters, young voters are going to turn out. Young voters are going to make the difference. Young voters are going to decide the election. There has not been an election where young voters have decided the election. Why? Because the elections in November, they're in school, they're drunk or high on election day, or they got classes and they forget to go vote. 
Young voters do not make the difference in elections. Y'all, I have been hearing this forever. And when you hear someone say it's young voters, young voters, young voters, young voters, young voters make the difference. Young voters do not make the difference ever. I know young voters like to think they make the difference because they are self-absorbed and obsessed with self. They don't make the difference. You know who votes in droves more than any other group of people? Do you know who votes in droves? People over 60. Why? Because retirement matters. The 401k matters. Old people vote in numbers disproportionate to young people because old people are far more concerned as they're headed into retirement and the like that uh, something's going to matter. And there's a story I didn't get to yesterday, and it may be the most important story of this year. The government is going to do another cost of living adjustment to Social Security payments for retirees. And do you know what's going to happen? A great many of them are going to be forced into a higher tax bracket as a result of it. Yes, it's true. Uh, The government is starting to sound the warning to people to prepare to be in a higher tax bracket. When retirees get their Social Security checks with the next cost of living increase, it's going to drive up their taxes. That's going to be a twofold whammy for them. Uh, This will be a season of discontent with old people. Uh, I shouldn't say old people, retirees. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I didn't say blue here. Give me a pat on the back. But you know what I mean. And they're going to be furious. And they vote more than young people. There are more of them who are existing than young people. COVID didn't wipe them out. People just pissed them off. And they're going to go vote. The, the Democrats keep saying, the Jim Messina keeps saying, young people, young young people care about this. You know, young people can care about the climate because they don't have a family and a paycheck. The moment they get a family and a paycheck, they get upset with boys going into the girls' locker room, showing the girls their private parts, claiming to be girls. They get really upset when they see what's taken out of their paycheck by the Democrats. They get really upset when they got to go buy baby formula and there's none on the grocery store shelf. They get really upset when they got to commute to work and they can't afford the gas in their car. Young people become old people. And in the meantime, they grow up and they care about grown-up issues. They can care about all these issues that young people always care about until they start making real money and having families. And then they become conservatives. It always happens that way. And Democrats are like, oh, the young people will save us. The young, the young people have never saved you. You go back to 2008 when Barack Obama won and David Axelrod and Jim Messina are like, oh, it was the young people. It was we were the change we were looking for. And then you look at the exit polling and no, it turned out it was middle class white people who had families who were tired of the Bush years who were ready to move on. When you hear anyone say the young people will save us, start shorting their stock because the reality is the young people never save you. The young people lure you in and always as an elected official and as a politician campaigning for office, the young people will always and forever disappoint you. And if you're headed to retirement, it's not just the young people disappointing you. The stock market's disappointing you too. Uh, the Dow right now, it's it's down a little bit. NASDAQ is up right now, but who knows what it's going to be by the end of the day. Uh, now's the time to protect your retirement savings. You might want to reach out to my friends at GoldCo and see how physical gold and silver might be able to ease the ebbs and flows of your retirement. If you call them, 855-904-5933, you'll get a free wealth protection kit from them to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. 
thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So call my friends at Goldco, find out how you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans. They might be a good fit for you. Reach out to them. Text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Text that to 33777. I will send you Goldco's phone number. You can call them, see if they're a good fit for you. Uh, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I got some time. on. I want to run to, to Mickey here. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Eric. It's always an honor when you take my call. Thanks so much. Yeah, so I just wanted to push back a little bit on what you were saying before the break about, and even though it's been historically true, that people will grow up being, you know, maybe more naive, more liberal, if you will, and then they grow up to be conservatives when reality of life sinks in. And that's always been historically true. But I think the big problem, especially after listening to what my little nieces and nephews are being taught in school, I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think we can count on that. You know, I'm about the same age as you. When you and I were in school, you know, we were we were still taught two plus two equals four. We weren't taught two plus two equals eight. And if you don't believe that, you're racist. I think education has stopped and they are now being indoctrinated. I think, you know, intersectionality, it's not just an opinion they're being taught. I think they're trying to put this in their DNA as something that is an immutable truth. And I don't think we're ever going to be able to convince them that, you know, capitalism is better than communism. I don't think we'll ever be able to convince them that there are only two genders. I think this is being embedded in their DNA now. Well, yeah, listen. And it's going to um, be a big problem. I, I, I would tell you, I think it's gotten more aggressive than it has been in the past, so it may be a little harder, but also there's a massive parental revolt happening right now against all this stuff. So there may be a few years of really screwed up kids out there. I, I don't deny that. Uh, but also, uh, reality is, is a great teacher, and a lot of parents are in such a revolt right now. I mean, just consider the American Federation of Teachers, who did a big survey, uh, came out yesterday, heads across Democratic institutions exploded when it turns out uh, Ron DeSantis is on the side of parents and overwhelmingly uh, teachers and parents, teachers and parents both agree that uh, sexual indoctrination, critical race theory and stuff have no place in schools. And now you've even got the AFT and the National Education Association. And hey, 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 we need to focus on cost issues, not on not not CRT and, and sex. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. They're going to be it's going to be harder, particularly when they get to college. They're indoctrinated so heavily these days. Uh, but it's not that they have been indoctrinated in the past. They have been. It may have been less subtle. Uh, but if anything, to some degree, less subtle can sometimes be more or more subtle can be more effective and less subtle can be less effective. So I still think there's hope out there, but yes, uh, we will see a generation of kids, uh, a lot of whom grow up to be liberal, but we will also see a lot of people come through this uh, and they will change. Remember uh, a lot of what drove millennials in the two thousands to the left was the Bush era and the, the never ending wars and the like. Now you've got a group of Gen Zers who are coming of age in the Biden administration with inflation we haven't seen in 41 years, with a recession pending, with massive government spending failing, and with all the Democratic core beliefs on the economy collapsing around them. Even Paul Krugman was on MSNBC this morning saying he was wrong about inflation. So you're going to have a reaction to that in the same way kids who came of age in the late 70s, early 80s became Republican. 
you got a real opportunity here as a nation to see kids coming of age in the Biden administration into I don't know the 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 DeSantis or the Cotton or the Haley or the or the Scott administration uh, becoming Republican as they see the disasters of the Biden administration recover under a Republican administration with sound economics. Uh, this thing could be turned around if you get the right presidential candidate in 2024, which means someone who could serve eight years, not just four years. Hint, hint. When we come back, we got more to talk about, including we got to get into some China news.